0: This episode of the PTA Elevation Podcast is sponsored by the 600 Plus System. The 600 Plus System offers a self paced resource library full of videos containing a variety of topics that could appear on the NPTE. There are also mini quizzes to help test your knowledge on NPTE subjects and also contains the blueprint that students who work with us directly in our coaching program use to maximize their success on the NPTE. If you are looking for a way to ease your anxiety about taking the NPTE and take control of your studying, check out the link in the description below to learn more about the program we look forward to serving you now on to the show all right guys let's go over ankylosing spondylitis this one can be a little tricky because it's actually a rheumatological condition that affects the musculoskeletal system so it kind of trips people up people get a little confused and um, let's get into it so I can clarify everything So this is what the condition looks like. Essentially what's going on when it comes to the anatomy, it's affecting mainly the spine. And so that's why we, it's called spondylitis. Yeah, our spondylitis. And so what we'll see is that a normal spine has our, you know, our normal lumbar curvatures with some uh, lordosis in the. Uh, lumbar spine, and then some lordosis in the cervical spine with a normal kyphosis in the thoracic spine, and kyphosis in the um, sacrum. So what's happening here is that the intervertebral discs are starting to become inflamed, which is the itis, and then they start to fuse together into what is called this bamboo spine. So you can see this better on this picture here. Um And you can see it's just all fusing together into one giant straight line. So it's happening a lot in the lumbar spine because that's where the most mobility happens in the spine. So you're going to see fusion of the intervertebral disc, the zygopofecele joints, which is just the facet joints. And then um, deep into the sacrum, we see that the SI joints, so the sacroiliac joints are going to be fused. And then we'll see also the costovertebral joints will be fused, which remember, they need to be able to move around and expand for breathing. So that's why we see that breathing is affected with this condition, because if the, there's fusion where the... Uh, costal heads are starting to articulate with the uh, spine then we can't expand our lungs and expand the ribs because the ribs got to expand for the lungs to expand so it's kind of stuck so it ends up becoming almost a little bit more restrictive with the lung disease you'll also see flexion of the hips and the knees um and you'll also see that there's going to be uh problems at these joints as well. So the knees, hips, and shoulders tend to be the major peripheral joints that also kind of become fused and then have these problems. So what's the etiology of this? It is a rheumatological condition, and so um, you'll test for a histocompatibility antigen, and the antigen that's associated with specifically ankylosing spondylitis is the HLA-B27 antigen, and so you'll test positive for that. Do we really need to know what that means? not so much we just kind of need to know that that's the antigen they're testing for and if it's positive they're like all right you got ankylosing spondylitis so what we'll see is that as i was kind of saying before what happens to cause all these problems is that the spine starts to get inflamed and then fused together so it becomes what's called looks like this bamboo kind of spine it looks like a bamboo stick And so what you'll see um, is that's what's happening at the intervertebral joints. But then you also see what's happening at these facet joints over here is the same thing. So if everything's fusing together, we're not going to be able to move much. We're going to kind of get stuck. So we're going to see a really severe loss of range of motion because everything's getting stuck. Um, We're going to see that this is more common in men than women, and more common in white people than black people. Um, We'll also see a peak in incidence of this starting to occur between 20 and 40 years old. So, unfortunately, it does start to affect younger individuals, which is really not fun. So, that's kind of the background information about ankylosing spondylitis. So, what does it specifically look like? So. What happens in a normal person, we have our curvatures of the spine that are allowing us, you know, we curve a little, then we curve a little the other way, then we curve a little the other way. And then you're basically straight up. What happens with ankylosing spondylitis is the back starts to get really flat in the lumbar spine. And so then if, even if you do this right here, so sitting at your desk, so like normally you have like this, you know, curvature, if you flatten out your back, so basically do like a posterior pelvic tilt, what's going to happen is your shoulders round forward in order for you to stand. So let me even like stand up. You can see this. So if you... If you tuck your pelvis under and flatten your back, you're going to hunch forward like that. So you can see this in this picture that I have to the right over here with this gentleman. You see his his back gets flat, but then he has to have this really excessive curvature of his thoracic spine in order to maintain balance. And so with that, you see that the trunk leans forward, you get some hip flexion, then you get some knee flexion. These are all just compensatory measures to be able to balance you. So if you want to do it on yourself, so when you stand up, If you do that posterior pelvic tilt and flatten your back, you're going to notice your knees have to bend in order to keep you balanced. If you straighten out your legs, you're going to fall forward. You got to bend your knees to stay upright. You got to flex your hips. If you try to move your hips any other way, what's happening is that your back's not going to be flat. So you'll see you're leaning forward, you got to bend those hips. It's like the same kind of positioning we would see with almost like a Parkinsonian patient. So you're seeing you're really flexed forward and everything. So That's just the best way to do it. Just to stand up, practice it out, and then you're like, oh, this makes sense. So how is this going to present with a patient? We're going to see that this is initially going to start presenting as just like general back pain. And it's going to be worse in the morning. It's going to feel super stiff because, you know, we're getting all this inflammation. The spine is starting to fuse into itself. Obviously, it's going to be stiff. We can't really move it because it's fusing on itself. And we'll see decreased range of motion, especially into extension because they're starting to flex forward getting that spinal flexion, they're stuck there. So they're really lacking a lot of extension. As the disease progresses, as I said before, you'll lose the curvature of your spine. It'll get flat, bamboo stick. Um, you'll see that excessive thoracic kyphosis in order to maintain your balance. Because so if you didn't have that, you'd start to fall over. You'd lose that flattened on the back. Um, you also see some weight loss with these individuals and increase in pain. Um, you'll see a lot of just fatigue and everything like that. So they're just not feeling great. So that's also kind of how you differentiate this by, um, is it just some generic person with low back pain or is it going to be a person with, um, you know, ankylosing spondylitis? Usually they'll, they'll already know. We don't have to worry by that point, but this is just a good way to think of, like, what are the differences between all of these pathologies? like. Generally, the other ones that cause a lot of the same like back pain stuff, if the individual is very overweight and obese, I would not be leaning towards ankylosing spondylitis. I'd be leaning towards just some other like, you know, spinal pathology that's causing some problems. Um, Again, as I kind of mentioned before, when we stand up, we do the increased hip flexion, forward trunk lean, all that stuff is going to cause problems with the lumbar spine. Other issues that we'll see problems with is, as I said before, they'll have the loss of flexibility in the costal region, so where the ribs are, that's going to lead to difficulty breathing and expanding the chest, so it kind of becomes like a restrictive lung disease kind of thing. Um, You might also see restrictive lung dysfunction being the word that's used. We'll see pain in the peripheral joints because they're also starting to fuse, so like the hips and the knees and the shoulders are going to have problems as well. So just generally, this person, their whole trunk is just really stiff, doesn't move, and it's painful. So what are we doing? Um, just be aware of whatever medications they're going to be on. It is a rheumatic disease. They're going to be on some sort of rheumatological medication, such as a DMART So it's a disease modifying anti-rheumatic drug. It's um, the main one that's used for like a lot of these is going to be methotrexate. So I put that on here. If you see methotrexate, think rheumatological disease. So remember when we see medications, we're like, what are we using it for? Rheumatological diseases are wild. Rheumatologists have like big brain energy. There's so much crazy stuff going on with all those rheumatological conditions. They know what they're doing. We get them on the back end to work on exercise. So just be aware of the medications they're on if they have any side effects and just kind of check with that. The big thing is for the boards to know is no flexion. So this is contrary to all the rest of the spondies. So like spondylosis, spondylysis, spondylolisthesis, spinal stenosis, all of those you want to flex ankylosing spondylitis you do not want to flex flexion based exercises are contraindicated also high impact activities are contraindicated you want to want to do wind sprints with this person no box jumps nothing crazy like that because the joints are already inflamed and falling apart if we're going to put more impact on those joints it will just straight up make the uh, condition worse do not overexert this patient with excessive exercise we want to use energy conservation techniques pacing activities we don't want to do too much with this patient um, because it's just going to exacerbate their symptoms and make it worse. Same thing with fibromyalgia and stuff, other rheumatological conditions. Don't overdo it with them. Their body can't handle it. So what are interventions that are going to help? Aquatic therapy is like the best thing because it's easy on the joints. They can move. They can work on range of motion. It feels great, and they'll be more compliant to show up. Aquatic therapy, if you see like ankylosing spondylitis and you're like, what's the best intervention for this patient. You see aquatic therapy. As long as it doesn't say aquatic therapy, flexion-based exercises, you are good. That is the option to choose. Um, Extension-based range of motion exercises to decrease flattening of back. So you want to do extension-based. No flexion, only extension. So ankylosing spondylitis, extension-based exercises are going to help with that postural correction, decreasing that excessive thoracic kyphosis and really trying to maintain as much mobility as we have in the spine low impact aerobic exercise with energy conservation techniques this is great so like just on the bike or something like that aerobic water walking something like that great low impact aerobic exercise is great because it just keeps their energy levels up all right Um, because remember they get really fatigued so positioning and during sleep to promote extension and decrease flexion so just kind of telling them where to put pillows and stuff like that use kind of the same sort of thing that you would for like um if you had a disc herniation or something like that you don't want to be positioning this person in excessive amounts of flexion you want to maintain as much extension as possible with this patient while also not causing them additional pain you also want to work on lifting ergonomics you don't want them to you know be flexing forward lifting with the back use your legs lift with the legs and everything like that to um, decrease any additional pain on the lumbar spine because what's happening is we get into all the biomechanics if we want to but there's an excessive amount of strain on the lumbar spine as they're flexed forward you want them to decrease the amount of Load on the lumbar spine, so use the legs, and then breathing exercises. If there's respiratory involvement, so diaphragmatic breathing, pursed lip breathing, all the ones that are going to you know like promote diaphragmatic exercise rather than using all those accessory muscles of inspiration. So like if they're like lifting their like scalenes and sternocleidomastoids and everything like those accessory muscles, we just want to make sure they're breathing properly. So keywords for this one is if you see bamboo spine, flattened back, lack of lordosis, any of those words start thinking ankylosing spondylitis uh rheumatic disease so if they're on methotrexate or something like that that's also going to be another clue to kind of influence that they're doing that um sometimes they just might say the patient has a rheumatic disease or something like that and you're like okay so like is it lupus it's never lupus apparently but it could be who knows um We'll see fusion of the spine and large joints, so like spinal column. This just says spinal column. So fusion of the spinal column and other large joints, so the spine and everything is going to be starting to fuse. We'll see a thoracic kyphosis, those flexed hips, um, and then you'll note that for exercises, do not do any flexion or high impact exercises. So like no ball rollouts, no crunches or anything like that. Uh, no like just sprints or anything, not good. And then aquatic therapy is a good intervention. Always choose the aquatic option unless it's a forward flex. So let's get into the question here, guys. A physical therapist assistant is treating a patient diagnosed with a rheumatic disease. The patient demonstrates decreased lumbar lordosis, decreased spinal extension range of motion, and pain in lumbar spine. Which of the following exercises would not be an appropriate intervention for this patient to perform? One, thoracic rotation in water. Two, jogging on a treadmill three, seated thoracic extension, or four, diaphragmatic breathing. So I'll give you guys a second to think about that. right guys so the answer is jogging on the treadmill so we do not want to do it with this patient it's too high impact for them um considering what's going on with the patient so you might think jogging is not that intense for this patient it might be really intense remember when we're talking about the impact of running on the joints like we talked about like walking is like every step you take is like one times your body weight kind of thing when you start jogging you're up to like four times your body weight and then when you start running and sprinting it's like seven to eight times your body weight hitting through the ground up into your body, into your joints. So we don't wanna increase the impact. So thoracic rotation in water, working on the rotation of the spine, that's good. We just don't wanna do flexion. So literally any spine general range of motion besides flexion is good. Uh thoracic extension, that is perfect. That is like the best option. If this said what would be the best option for this patient Probably that considering like, I mean, all these other ones are good, but I wouldn't be rude like that. So seated thoracic extension is definitely an appropriate intervention. And then diaphragmatic breathing, especially for these patients, if they're getting either one overexerted with exercise, it kind of helps calm everything down, keep them with those energy conservation techniques, all of that fun stuff. Um, and then also, if there's any sort of respiratory involvement and decrease in use and, like, flexibility of the cost of cartilages and everything to be able to expand, um, this diaphragmatic breathing is going to help you uh, promote breathing from the diaphragm, which is the primary muscle of inspiration to allow the patient to kind of get more oxygen perfusion to their tissues. All right, friends, I hope that this was helpful, and I will see you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.